is the end of 2020, the start of 2021. And usually at 2021, on the first message, I like to focus ahead and just mention what I believe God is leading his people to in this coming year. So this year, I not only want to look ahead, I also want to look back and just pick out some of the things that I believe we should maybe spend a little bit more time with, our take from last year. Now, in prayer, both Pastor Jerry and myself have been sensing that the Lord is saying that 2021 is to be a year of breakthrough. It is to be a year of more. It is to be a year of being able to step out into the areas that have been held back from us. Now, I know a lot of that may sound familiar to last year, and in some ways it probably is. But I'm seeing the main difference as being that it's a more focused plan for this year. See, sometimes we just have a tendency to just run around with every little thought and every whim and every little thing that comes blowing by. And that can create an environment where we spend our time, our energy, and our finances without reaping the full rewards that we should be able to reap from them. So this year, I believe we need to focus. Find one area. Find one thing. And say, okay, we're going to start fighting the faith on that. Focus on that one area and allow Holy Spirit to teach us how to move, to receive that thing, and then move on. It'll be less of a scattergun effect and a more a focused plan of attack. See, there's a lot of good things that come our way every day. There's a lot of good things that we run into which we say, okay, well, this is really, this is really a good thing, but not every good thing is a God thing. So we need to be checking our own hearts and saying, Father, what are you leading me to? And when we see what he's leading us to, then we give ourselves totally to that thing. If we cannot say no to certain situations, it will diffuse our effectiveness very quickly. We just chase another thrill. We just take on some more drama. We just take or we fall prey. Instead of focusing on saying, okay, where has God called me? What is God calling me to do? And then moving in that direction. I want to share a prophecy that Kenneth Copeland released concerning God's plan for 2021. And it says, 2021, the year of the local church. A most powerful move of God will take place in the local church. And I wonder if that might be why God has been directing so strongly for people to find their local church, to get connected, to make covenant with their body of believers. But he went on to say, significant considering the local church has been shut down. So 2021 will be a year of divine healing, divine health, divine prosperity, and divine recovery. Isaiah 42, 22 in the New King James Version says, But this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes, and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey, and no one delivers, for plunder. And no one says, restore. And then the prophecy continues saying, Jesus is shouting, recover. Recovery of the healing ministry. Recovering of health. Recovery of the prosperity. Now the word restore in the Hebrew means to turn, to return, to turn back to God, to refresh, to repair, to make requital as a recompense, to defeat and I believe that's where a lot of Christians are in a place of need, and they need to step into this year. They need to have recompense. They need to have requital made. They have to be recompensed for what the enemy has stolen. It is time, church, to step up now and to take our place. So if that's God's desire for 2021, then what can we say about 2020? 
I want to propose a thought here and see how it bears with each one of you. What if 2020 was the time of sowing and sowing us as, as we were putting being, being put into the ground so the new growth could spring up? So we got stripped of a lot of stuff in 2020. What if 2020 was the test and 2021 is the reward? Before we want to say that God would never do that, let's remember some of the scriptures of the Old Covenant. The Bible mentions different events, different seasons, where the events that happen so that God would be able to prove his people. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 2 it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And I'm wondering if maybe 2020, a lot of Christians realized that what they had thought they were secure on, they weren't as secure as they thought. I wonder if maybe in 2020, a lot of Christians got the idea that, you know, their faith wasn't working the way it was supposed to, that things weren't happening like they thought it was supposed to. I believe that 2020 was a time of proving, a time of showing us what was going on in us. Now, the word prove means to test. Pastor Jerry and I have watched several episodes of a TV show called Forged in Fire. And the, one of the main premise of the show is that they make knives out of different metals. But once the blade has been created, it needs to be tempered and proven. Now, tempering includes heat and oil. Well, I know the Bible talks about the furnace of affliction. I know the Bible talks about the oil of the Holy Spirit. So if we would have turned during this time and allowed the oil of the Holy Spirit to temper those areas, we'll come out stronger. We will have come out stronger. We'll be better prepared. Now, proving includes tests. On the show, if the blade manages to stand up to several different tests, and some of them are things that I think no self-respecting knife should ever have to go through, but it does. And if these tests that it goes through, and if it makes it through, then it is considered to be worthy, and it's considered to be ready to move on to the next level. Well, if 2020 was a test, I'm not sure how many of us in the body of Christ passed. So let's recap. It was a year where most of us were thankful that it has come to an end, a year that most of us would not ask to relive. There were disruptions in pretty well every area of our lives, and most of us don't like to be disrupted. <laughs> we don't like having our liberties curtailed. We don't like being told that we can't meet in the church building. We don't like not being able to shop without a mask on. We don't like not being able to travel at our own free will. We don't like not being able to meet with people we want to meet with or that we can't have people over when we want to that we can't carry on business as normal in our shops. The list goes on. It's been a trying year, but now let's stop and evaluate what we've encountered over this year. Now, obviously, there was a virus that is killing people throughout the world. I personally have had at least one friend that I know of and an aunt and an uncle that succumbed to it. On top of that, I have heard from reliable people that there was, they were getting reports from relatives in Mexico about how many friends and relatives were dying almost daily from this COVID-19. So whether one would believe all of those reports, we had the news reports that sort of backed up everything that was being said and then more. So whether you want to believe all of the news reports or not, we have very few families that have remained unaffected or untouched 
by this virus in one way or another. Now, rightly or wrongly, the governments implemented different restrictions with very stiff fines for people that ignored them. And the debates began. Were they justified? I don't know. Were they wrong to find people who had guests into their homes? I don't know. Were they wrong for encouraging people to snitch on their neighbors? I don't know. Was it wrong to legislate people had to wear masks? I don't know that. I do know that a lot of those things I didn't like. Right or wrong, I don't know. Now, there have been many debates and many opinions about the legalities, about our rights, about communism taking over, about the new world order starting up, along with many other things. But one of the key things I keep getting brought back to is how should we as Christians respond? Should we comply? Should we forgo church meetings for a period of time? Or should we make our stand on this hill and refuse to obey? I have received several emails and many different questions about this matter. Now, in my experience, I have found that most people just want to defend one viewpoint without considering the other. So rather than argue and fight about it, I try to avoid it. Because I find that people don't want to listen. They don't want to empathize with the other viewpoint. So the conversation turns to squabbling, and I try to avoid getting too involved in those things. So I want to present today some of my own ideas about this whole pandemic and some of the actions and reactions that have been taken. Now, being in my building by myself, or pretty well by myself, I'm not expecting any great arguments or disagreements from anybody. If you want to text me and tell me why I'm wrong, then please back it up with scripture or don't bother. Thanks. I also want to say that if you have a different opinion, you're welcome to have it. Anyone that has taken time to seek God and feels that they are doing what God has directed them to do has my support, as long as it's back to Scripture. If we disagree, it's okay. We can still be friends. We can still be brothers. We can still be part of the same body. Disciples, Jesus had 12 disciples, and they came from such diverse backgrounds, they couldn't even agree on most anything. So it's all right if we disagree. We can still work together. To make my position clear, I dislike the restrictions immensely. I dislike the rack of freedom to go without a mask, to not be able to make my own decisions about my health, to not be able to meet in the church building with the rest of the saints. I dislike not being able to run my own business. I dislike seeing government officials continue to act as though none of the restrictions apply to them. And then as their excuse, they go ahead and say, oh, well, it wasn't clear. If it was clear enough for the rest of us, I believe it should have been clear enough for them also. And then they continue to tell us, that, oh, you're not doing your part. It doesn't feel fair. And I could easily get a bad on of all of that if I would allow it. But it's not going to solve anything. Now, I've been approached and I've been encouraged to just keep on meeting. I've been told that forbidding us to meet is an infringement on our constitutional rights. I don't know if it is or if it isn't. I'm not a lawyer, and I have not taken the time to read all the pertinent documents. I do know I have not seen anyone that is willing to step up and fight it in court properly then. I think we're aware of the fact that if the courts decided it was unconstitutional, the government would have to back down and recompense our costs. 
I do know there's different churches, including one in Winnipeg, that decided to continue to meet and end up getting a hefty fine for doing so. So they tried to get the order squashed, and the judge ruled against them. I know that in other provinces, the courts have also upheld the laws that have been passed now. I know they have said that we're in a state of emergency and that a state of emergency gets regular rules can be changed. I don't know. It bothers me, though, to see the armchair quarterbacks posting and gossiping and telling everybody how wrong it is, but they won't put their money where their mouth is. If you know that it's wrong, fight it in court. First of all, win in the courts of heaven and then the courts of this land, if necessary. If you don't put action to your mouth, then you're nothing more than a complainer, a whiner, and someone that likes to stir up strife. At the very least, you're double-minded. You say one thing, but your actions defy what you're saying. Now, I've even been told that Romans 13, where Paul instructs us to obey those that are in authority, was or is being misinterpreted. By taking some of the teachings of Paul and mashing them together with some of the teachings from Peter, I was told that it only referred to righteous authority that needs to be submitted to. Because it was only authority that God had ordained. That was the only stuff that had to be submitted to. If the leaders aren't righteous, then we don't have to listen or follow those laws. Well, I always have problems when people try to cherry-pick and twist scriptures to validate their desires instead of allowing the scriptures to change their hearts and their thoughts. See, Paul addressed that argument with his own actions. In Acts chapter 23, 1 to 5, and I'm going to read out of the modern King James Version. And looking earnestly on the Sanhedrin, Paul said, Men, brothers, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God shall strike you, whitened wall. For do you sit judging me according to the law, and against the law command me to be stricken? And they who stood by him said, Do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written that you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. So Paul points out that this, uh, this priest is corrupt. He points out that the actions of this priest are against the law. But as soon as he's told that he is the high priest, that he is a leader of the people, Paul backs down because God's word instructs him to respect his elders or his rulers. Now, I could mention that Jesus commanded us to love those who hate us, to give our cloaks to those who want to take our coat, to walk the extra mile when we are forced to go one mile, but to me, there is just one simple fundamental flaw that keeps surfacing. Somehow or other, everything has become about me and my rights and my comforts. Now, as Christians, our focus ought to be on Jesus. Jesus first, then others, and then ourselves. The testimony of the saints that we revere never focus on their own rights but on their ability to give themselves to help others. I read an article just this last week about a Swiss border commander who was named Paul Gruninger, who going against the orders of his superiors, falsified 3,600 Jewish refugees' passports, 
helping them to escape the Holocaust from between 1938 and 1939. Now people could say, well, he broke orders. He was going against the law. He shouldn't have done that. He broke the law. It cost him his job, his reputation, and his pension. In 1970, he died in poverty. But when he was asked if he would do it again, he says, I couldn't not. <laughs> the sacrifice was worth it. Now, he was willing to sacrifice himself so that he could help save others. I believe the whole story, the Greekies came through the Christmas story. The whole message of Christmas was that God gave, that Jesus sacrificed, not for his sake, but for our sake. Now, when I hear people whining and complaining because they're being inconvenienced, I wonder how much concern or how much care they are giving for anyone other than themselves. We know the scriptures. The Bible teaches us very clearly that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must learn to be a servant of all. And yet we don't want to serve. We want to be served. We want things the way we want it. And when we don't get it the way we want it, instead of rejoicing, we start complaining. Mother Teresa gave her wealth, her life, to minister to those that could not help themselves. Now the list goes on almost endlessly. You know, Paul himself was in prison and he was rejoicing because his hardships gave him an opportunity to minister to Herod. Paul and Silas were in prison, locked in the inner dungeons, unjustly, and they began to worship the Lord. And it says the other prisoners hold, heard them worshiping and singing praises. The earthquake came, it loosed them, and they were able to lead the jailer and his family to the Lord that night. Are we concerned about ourselves? Or are we concerned about the opportunities that have been presented to us? As Kelly mentioned already too, you know, there are so many opportunities in 2020. Have we been willing to take them? How different are the words of these martyrs, the words of some of these people that are willing to give up their life from I can't have my own way, and I'm upset. See, people are scared of this virus. And we as the church are tasked with bringing them hope. How are we going to bring them hope if they're too scared to even talk to us? If a little mask is going to open the door so I can talk to someone, let's use those opportunities. Let's spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to worship the Lord and let our thankful hearts let others know that there is a hope that they don't necessarily have. Another observation I've made was this. Some of the very same people who are quick to say that a horrible, deadly disease like cancer is from God and he's using it to teach them, fight against these comparatively minor set of restrictions. What if God is taking it easy on us and only using these restrictions to teach us instead of allowing these horrible diseases to come on some of us? What if we're actually fighting God's plan? See, God has recorded numerous times where he raised up his enemies to overrun his people in order them to bring them to repentance. See, I see Christians professing that they would lay it all down for Jesus and then rebel to the point where they cannot even cancel a family gathering 
for the authorities that God put in place. Or stay home. Or wear a mask for the comfort of someone else. And I see a shallowness. Perhaps 2020 was a time for us to be able to see in ourselves the things that were going on, the things that were in our heart, the things that needed to be removed. See, I've seen people who rebelled and refused to wear masks because they were professing such strong convictions against us. But a couple of $1,296 fines later, and those convictions had dissipated. Now, excuse me if that sounds hypocritical to me. It tells me you never had a conviction. You had a preference. Well, we all had preference. We all would prefer not to wear it. But we're all trying to follow right now the things that our government has set in place to try and keep people from catching this virus. I was also told that one day about some of the people that we had run into in Superstore shopping for groceries and later on they had been seen in the liquor mart. They weren't wearing their masks in the Superstore because they were defying. But the liquor mart won't sell without masks so they had their masks on. What happened to your convictions? What happens once the mark of the beast is introduced? Does your conviction just become a preference then if you can't buy food or booze? See, if God used 40 years in the desert to prove his people, what if this last year with its restrictions was to reveal the condition of our hearts to us? Can we say we passed the test? Or were we allowing the selfishness, the rebellion that was hiding there to show itself? Are we willing to defy authority as long as we don't think we'll get caught? Are we willing to defy authority if we think nothing's going to happen? See, I believe 2021 is a year where God wants to catapult us to the forefront. And I'm talking about us as the church. God wants us to take our positions of authority in this world. He wants to recognize that he is sending answers through the church that are supposed to help this world get things straightened out. But it took a time period for us to grow. It took a time period for us to get stripped away from some of the silliness, maybe. It took a time for us to be purified and to allow our hearts to come to the point where we were ready to share a message that we had. Maybe it took time to actually implant that message strong enough that it could live. This last year may well have been a time for us to clean out some of the crud out of our own lives so that we are ready to move ahead. We certainly had time to develop a deeper relationship with Jesus this last year. You weren't going out. You weren't going on holidays. A lot of us weren't working. You had time. You had time to research, time to study, time to develop a relationship with Jesus. We had time to clean some of the junk out of our lives. I read an interesting saying this last week. It sort of stuck with me. It says, you can't shack up with the devil and expect God to pay your bills. Maybe it was a time where God was saying, it's time to quit shacking up. It's time to come home. It's time to come into my presence and to stay there. So I believe God wants to see less of the devil in his church, his people. He wants to rule supreme in our lives. So 2021 is a year to overcome. It's a year to advance the kingdom both corporately and personally. 
A year to see the restoration of divine health, of healing, of prosperity. A year to see restoration. There is many, many people in the body of Christ that have started off and then cooled off. We started off on track. We started off ready. And then we started cooling off a little bit. I thank God that people have faced the test and have come out as pure gold. They have allowed the impurities to be released, to move. So the word for this year is be bold. Take the steps, grab on, win. Everything God has promised is available for those who are willing to step up. Church, rejoice. This is our time. We're moving into our own. Psalm 6511 in God's word, and I'll close with this, says, You crown the year with your goodness, and richness overflows wherever you are. Let's make God's presence our goal. Let's seek after him and say, Father, I want to spend time in your presence more than anything or more than everything else. Because he crowns this year with goodness and richness overflows wherever he is. So let's enjoy 2021 praising God. Father, I thank you even now for the beginning of a new year, a new book, a time and a place where we could turn to you and worship you with our whole hearts. I thank you, Father, for the work of your Holy Spirit that is reaching out and drawing people to you into a closer and a more intimate relationship. I thank you, Father, that this is a year of restoration, a year of recovery. So I pray, Father, for those that are hurting because of what they have lost, that there would be a restoration, a recompense, a reward that they would receive even more than what has been stolen from them and that they would be able to bounce into a greater position. You know, Father, we have mentioned at different times, it's not how hard you fall, it's how high you bounce. So I ask that you would help us to bounce into that next place. Use that fall to springboard us into a whole new area. We give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.